0: Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the second season of my podcast, I want to unpack anxiety around situations in life we find ourselves in. Each episode will have two parts. One where I break down the situational anxiety we experience and the other, where I have an expert in the field, give us some advice. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now let's jump into this week's episode. Kimberly B. Cummings is a career and leadership expert whose mission is to help women and people of color navigate the workplace, make more money and become industry leaders. Her personal and professional development company, Manifest Yourself LLC, provides organizations with tailor-made solutions to hire, develop, engage and retain women and people of color. Her work has been featured on Forbes, Money Magazine, Essence Magazine, Business Insider, CNBC, Fox 5, and more. Her highly anticipated book, Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career Your Love, was just released. Kimberly is a brilliant, fierce, and empowering voice that is so needed in the world today. I love how she uses her gifts and talents to champion others and help them reach their full
1: potential. Kimberly, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you on today. Um, How are you doing? I am good, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, I am so excited for our conversation today because um, being in New York City, A lot of the people that I work with in terms of my practice are young professionals in the New York workplace. Um, And so work is something that we talk about a lot when it comes to mental health issues and anxiety. Um, And so um, I know that this is something, you know, uh, you you help women and people of color um, navigate workplace and um, also become industry leaders. And so I'm sure that you see um, a lot of, People's hearts and minds behind career and career transitions and things like that. So, um, in your experience, um, you know, we in the sister episode to this to this podcast, we were talking. I've been talking a lot about kind of anxiety in not only in the workplace but also in figuring out um, how people want to transition into. Uh, Different careers—is um, that a possibility? And so, you know, in your personal experience, since this is this is your wheelhouse, um, what do you think has been some of the biggest sources of anxiety for people, either in their career or looking to make career moves?
2: So, right now, I think everything is the unknown, and that's what stems so much of the anxiety. I think with COVID nineteen, I was talking to one of my colleagues um, maybe about a month or so ago. And we were just talking about how things move so fast. So in March of last year, I was like, okay, we're remote for a week. Mm, okay. We're remote to the end of the month. Mm, okay. We'll be remote till June. Okay. We're definitely going to come back September one. Then I was like, okay, we're going to stay remote until maybe December 31st. And then it was just this blow of, we don't know when we're coming back. We don't know what is going to happen. Some organizations. Displaced a lot of colleagues because they did not have the bandwidth to keep them, or the workflow changed. And then now it's almost like we have to get back into the mindset that was pre-COVID of what is going to happen. So I know many of my clients, other organizations are talking about coming back to work, and they're like, "Yes." So I'm not going into anyone's office. I've been out for Mm -hmm. a year, and Mm -hmm. that is not an option. People who They've been doing the work for a year and a half. They have natural next move that they'd like to make. And that's always a little anxiety driven, but they're not sure what are the organizations doing? How will what the organization's goals are impact what they'd like to do? So I think the biggest source of anxiety is truly just not knowing what the world of work will look like now. And I don't even want to say post COVID, but right now, not knowing what the state of the world is going to look like.
1: Yeah. That's so true. I think, you know, in, you know, in your, what do you think in terms of um, what you're seeing in a post-COVID world? Um, I'm actually really curious to hear your thoughts in terms of what you think that's going to look like, even for people in the workplace, the anxieties associated with that. Um, I know you mentioned the uncertainty of the right now. Um, you know, where do you think we're headed?
2: So I think that there's probably about three scenarios. I think mm-hmm. the first scenario is staying remote. Staying remote, where companies understand that, you know, people may not be ready to come back. The last year and a half was the biggest test they've ever had on if we could do it and we ace that with flying colors. I think that companies just have to work more on how do they create culture? How do they create a sense of belonging in a virtual environment? Um, I think there's also the hybrid, the hybrid where some folks are dying to get back in the office. I know I've spoke to a lot of parents and parents like this thing is not working, please. Get me out! Day doors are open. I want to go back to work. I think it to be a hybrid environment where some employees want to come back full time, some folks will come back a few days, um, but the workforce will be forever changed because there will be more people working remote. And then I think the last but not least, which I don't think is the best move to make, is the workforce that goes right back to how things were um, pre-COVID. And I think that in those environments, I am expecting to see a lot of attrition from those companies. Um, And I hope that it makes them backpedal. I really hope it does Mm -hmm. because you really can't say employees can't get work done now. That used to be the biggest excuse. But I know some CEOs are out here saying work happens in the office. We have to go back. It's like, well, did we not do any work for the last year and a half? Mm
0: -hmm. I'm pretty sure
2: that we still did. I think those three scenarios are really what's going to happen. And I also think that um, on the colleague side, if we talk about introverts versus extroverts, I think that especially introverts are going to have to adapt in a new way to figure out how they can still build key relationships. And that kind of takes that is anxiety driven alone. And how can they still make sure that their personal and professional development is top of mind? Um, and they have to be a little bit more extroverted. i um, a little more outgoing to make sure that they're mm-hmm. still included in things that are happening in the office, especially if they're opting to stay remote.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of what, um, I talk about with my patients, right, where um, they have been doing a certain career for a certain amount of time to put in all this effort, um, but they're not happy and their work is giving them a ton of anxiety and they're actually, um, there is this idea or this belief system of the impossibility of actually switching our careers, right. Or, um, actually transitioning into something that, uh, we really love and, you know, people are really afraid to do it. And there's a lot of things, especially people who have anxiety disorders, making that kind of a, taking that risk is hugely difficult. Um, and so, you know, what would you say to somebody who's feeling that in your experience? Is that true? Like, is it actually really, really hard to pivot or to switch? And you know, given everything that we've been talking about too, in terms of the pandemic and the the new ways of doing things um and your experience, what what does what's your what are your thoughts about all of that?
2: So the first thing I always quote is from Jim Marone, like, you are not a tree, you can move. You can always you don't have roots that. that are so deeply rooted in the company that you can't take them away. You can move when you want to. Um, I do think that there seems to be an unrealistic expectation of how long it takes to move. So, studies show it takes the average professional moving into the next logical step about six months. Um, I think many professionals think that you decide today you want to move and it has to happen tomorrow. And it's like, no, generally it takes a little bit more time. And in my book, the way I teach my process is that when you follow the process day in, day out in your career, and you're always thinking about, being in alignment with your strategy, you're much more ready to move when you'd like to move versus kind of just trucking along, no strategy in place. And then boom, maybe something happens at work and you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. That doesn't make it so you can move right away. You still have to go through the process to prepare yourself. Um, I completely understand that it's anxiety driven, just starting something new, like not even taking out any type of career transition, going into a new workplace with new coworkers and new role It's a lot. It's a lot of pressure, which can cause a lot of anxiety.
0: Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear.
2: What I recommend for people is to build out a plan, build a strategy for why you're making your next move. Why is it important to you? What is the type of work that you'd like to be doing? Making sure that it's in alignment with who you are, your core values, your vision, so that you know that your next move is intentional versus just the move happening to you. I have a chapter in my book called How to Know When It's Time to Go To, just to make sure you can kind of think about this more logically um, versus just matters of the heart, right? We spend 40 plus hours a week at work and that's why I'm so big on you have to love what you do. 40 plus hours a week is a long time. And I know when I was in corporate, I worked a lot more than 40 hours a week, if I'm very honest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: <laughs> exactly. So if your job sucks, I don't want to say your life is going to suck, but your life is not going to be at optimal levels of happiness if you really can't stand what you do. So it's important to be intentional and make sure that whatever you're moving into is in alignment with what you'd like for your life and your career.
1: I love that. And I think that intentionality piece is so important. And this is what I talk about a lot in my sister episode about the importance of goal setting Mm -hmm. um, and how even psychologically, how that is really helpful to um, align us to our values, uh, to actually give us a strategy of where we're moving. Right. And so I think that, um, you know, people find that idea very overwhelming right they look at kind of like oh my gosh i need to transition and then they see all the millions of steps in between they're like oh my gosh i don't think i can do this right it's it just seems overwhelming Um, so you know for somebody who might be feeling that anxiety and feeling so overwhelmed what would you say is just sort of the next step in your experience in in helping people actually start to kind of take that um you know make those moves um Someone who's listening who might be feeling very anxious about this what what advice would you give them about okay what's what's the next thing that they can do?
2: So I will say that pending really having like a deeper psychological like diagnosis of anxiety many mm-hmm. times for the everyday person feeling anxiety in my opinion, um, you know I'm not the expert in this piece. Um, I say that many times anxiety comes from not going toe to toe with your fears. sometimes yeah. it could feel so much more anxious, sitting there and thinking about what to do versus actually doing what you know you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage my clients to take action. Take some type of action. And many times as you start to put one foot in front of the other, you can feel that tightness in that in your chest, the head spinning. Some of those things will start to lessen because A, you'll realize maybe it's not as bad as you thought it was. Um, hopefully you'll also see some results from the actions that you're taking. And at least, you know, you're moving forward versus kind of sitting on this merry-go-round that's never ending and you can't get off. So I really encourage taking action. Just like you said, with that intentionality, I think when you have a career strategy in place and you know that your step is aligned to your vision, then you know, you're doing the right thing. It's just being patient and waiting for yourself to reap the benefits of the action steps that you're taking.
1: Yeah, and they, and that's also, you know, talking about productive and unproductive worry, right? This is something I talk a lot about with patients that unproductive worry is when we're kind of spinning our wheels with the what ifs with the mm-hmm. you know five steps ahead um impossible you know impossible situations or like impossibilities of thinking like you know what is my boss thinking or like uh, will this person you know take my job or block my my career change right these are all impossible questions but we ruminate over them and get nice and anxious versus actually moving towards productive worry which is those actionable steps, right? Is there something that I can do about this right now?
2: Exactly. And if there
1: isn't, how do I get off this train, right? But if there is, how can I actually start taking those steps? Um, and so, you know... I know that you, you work with a lot of women, a lot of people of color, kind of navigating this environment. In your experience, what have been kind of the most um, anxious places where people have lived, especially these populations? And um, what do you kind of see as those fears that people, um, what are the ones that you see more, more often,
2: so the if first, any? So the first one, I think when it comes to making a career transition in the traditional sense, so I define career transition as, Any type of career movement so it could be lateral or promotional inside your company or outside it could be um, really moving from a graduate program graduate or undergraduate program into your first job but it could also be a mindset of deciding you just don't want to be an employee anymore you want to be a leader so that's how I look at a transition however in the traditional sense of how people think of transition it's generally moving from one industry to another it's this huge massive change And anyone who's looking to make a massive change, I think there's a lot of anxiety around, is this the right thing for me to do? Because despite how we know all the studies say, especially for our um, earlier Gen X, our millennials and Gen Z, we know that we switch jobs a little bit more frequently. We don't necessarily get in a job and stay forever the way, like my dad is a baby boomer. He's gotten into every role and like gotten to the retirement, no matter how many years it was. He was in the military, retired. He was postmaster general, retired. Um, Now he teaches and freelances and does some other work, but he has like two pension plans, right? So we still think, I know even myself included, whenever I've gotten a job, I always think about could I stay here forever? And that's not the way we need to be thinking. So Mm -hmm. I encourage my clients to really think about their career in two year increments. You can Mm -hmm. have the goal of the tenure, right? If you were to stay in this job, What would be your 10-year vision? And maybe not even stay in the job, but you stay in this career path. What does 10 years look like? Then I ask them to cut it in half and look at where do you need to do, what do you need to do to be at the 10-year vision by year five? And then we cut it back down till two. I'm like, I really want you to focus on, could you do this work for two years? And is it in alignment with what you think you want to do in five years and 10 years? Because those five and 10 are going to change. But I think that's the biggest piece when anyone's making looking to make a bigger career change. And the second piece I think is relationship building. I teach my clients that relationships are one of the few things that can expedite your career. And in Building relationships, folks get so anxious, especially when we start talking about networking, like, how do I do it? When oh, I yeah. Them, yes, but like, everyone starts <laughs> to, like, clam up, like, I can't do that. Am I supposed to ask for something? But I always share that relationships are built over time. You don't just build a relationship today and then ask for a job tomorrow. Sometimes that can happen, but it's a little bit more rare. Um, and that definitely should not be the expectation. As we think about relationship building, I like people to think about it just like dating, right? The age-old thing, they say that like women, we go into dates and we ask people, do you want to get married on that first date, right? Like, we all know that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah,
1: people cut and run and be
2: like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is so great. Go to the bathroom and never come back. The same <laughs> thing is what happens in the workplace. You can't go into a meeting with someone and say, hey, like, I really like to work at your company. Can you refer me? I know I, for one, have been burned several times um, with referring people to jobs and they blew it. So I personally, I don't do that as a rule of thumb. I never do that. I need to know you, understand what you like, what you don't like, understand where your skills are, experience you for a good amount of time. So I teach people that when you're building a relationship, that's why the strategy is so important because you can continuously be building relationships that support your career. I have so many stories of meeting someone and two years later being offered a job or a year later something happening or five, 10 years later something happens. So relationship building, I think is the other piece of anxiety that people have because they think that's supposed to convert immediately and that's just not how it works.
1: And so a lot of what I hear you say is sort of that, um, that patience aspects, right? Or kind of like those realistic expectations that these things aren't going to happen tomorrow, whether it's transitioning into a new career or a lateral movement, upward movement, as well as relationships, that these things sort of take time. Yes. Yeah. Um, how do you, what do you do when you work with someone and they're, spinning their wheels about this. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the anxiety is coming up. Um, you know, in your, just, you know, in terms of what you do and how you help people and how you help people walk through this process, um, is it sort of just reminding them of this, that it kind of just takes time? Are there practical things that you tell them to do? How do you kind of help them navigate that?
2: So I think one thing is like just reinvigorating and reinforcing that, We need patience. Things will happen. I think once we have that career strategy in place, it feels like you're always moving. You have key steps that you can be taking every single day um, and every single month. So, you know, once we check those things off, you're making progress. I also ask folks to track their accomplishments so that you can look back and see what are the things that you've done. What are the things that are coming back to you? Tracking your wins to make sure you understand, hey, like I'm making progress. Things are moving.
0: Um, and yeah, just reminding
2: that. them that the evolution of your career is a continuing, continuous process. It's not something that happens overnight um, and not necessarily the patience piece because that is a piece of it. But it's the seeds that you're sowing today can help you tomorrow, help you in a year, help you in three years. But it also comes from a place of having pride in the work that you do. I think many times we think about our career as a transactional thing. It's okay. I do this to make money. I have bills. I know we live in the tri-state area in New York, New Jersey. I know my rent is disgusting. Um, So we need to make sure.
0: To help you navigate anxiety and become more mindful, I've created a 20-page workbook for you completely free. You'll find journal prompts, exercises, and a wealth of information on how you can master anxiety and live a better life. Click the link in the description to download.
2: that you were making money, but I also think of it from the standpoint of taking pride in the work that you do, taking pride in the growth that you have, taking pride in closing the gap when you have a skill gap that you need to close, or when you align something to your strength, and you really see um, the reinforcement that you're doing the right thing. We talk a lot about those things, so people still feel that they are valued, appreciated, and making progress, even if it seems to be taking a little bit longer than they'd like.
1: Yes, that's so important. I love that you said that. I'm often, you know, I talk about journaling and people roll their eyes at me and they're like, ugh, but I'm like, listen this is how you actually remember right this is what gives you hope what actually um you know we it's so easy to remember all of the garbage right and all of the fails and all of the awkward interactions um and so we actually have to take stock of and actually um work at remembering the wins work at remembering the positives Mm -hmm. um and so i always encourage people to actually as you said like track it write it down so that when you're feeling discouraged or when all of those thoughts are spinning of that I can't and oh my gosh, you can actually go back and reference the stuff to even yeah. kind of encourage your own self, right? And, and, and instill hope kind of in continuing doing to do what you're doing.
2: Right? Exactly. 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 I love that.
1: Um, and you yeah. mentioned um, networking. <laughs> this is something, yeah, happens a lot with people. Yeah. You know, I, I work with people with anxiety, and so a lot of the anxiety is social anxiety. Um, and people just, you know, they hear networking and they're like, oh, you know, it it feels like such a giant thing. Um, and so when you're working with somebody who might have a lot of anxiety around this, right, or who kind of like um, Uh, is uncertain about it or doesn't know how to do it, Um, you know, how do you help them kind of push through maybe some of that social anxiety, some of that fear of rejection or feeling awkward and weird and not knowing what to say, Um, you know, how do you go about kind of helping people navigate that?
2: So I always reinforce that the only goal is to talk to someone new. That is it. When if you could talk to one person that is new, we had a win. We have a win. So the example I give, there's a pre-COVID and during COVID. So I think during COVID with a lot of virtual events happening, I teach my chi- my clients to kind of look, go to look for events, either in their company, outside of their company, and keep track of the people who are corresponding in the chat. And then... Find someone you know who's out there who's really commenting and target that one person. Send them a message on a Zoom and be like, hey, I feel like we're both really engaged here. I'd love to schedule 15 minutes on your calendar. Or go find them on LinkedIn after and say, hey, I saw you at this event. Or if they're at your company, you could just go ahead and find their email and say, I'd love to have 15 minutes with you just to kind of talk about that event and introduce myself. Short and sweet. I think that's the quickest way to start identifying folks when you're in one of those environments. And in terms of showcasing yourself and networking, I always ask my clients to really think, can they ask one really good question at one of those events? It's a great way to stand mm. out and to help people see you. Mm. Now, as the world is opening back up, whenever we're going to events, number one, I say, don't go with your friends. Please stop bringing your friends to this event because you're not going to talk to anybody. <laughs> I <laughs> know. People love being having the security of someone you know, but it's no. so true. <laughs> We need you to stop. No friends. Um, you can bring friends, but bring friends who are going to support your goals to network because you don't need to network with people already know. Um, so I asked them to go and just meet one person. Normally, there's one person who's also standing alone. That's someone you can target. Um, if you are in line at the bar for a beverage, talk to the person in front of you or behind you. I The story I always tell folks is when I was dating... I was just determined to meet folks. And a lot of my girlfriends weren't really looking to be as outgoing as I was. So I used to make myself go to places and have dinner or a drink alone. And I told myself I could not take my phone out because I wanted to practice having conversations. And fun fact, yes, I do speaking. Yes, I'm speaking to you on this podcast, but I'm really an introvert at heart. I need to Go back into my shell after I do a lot of energy outside. I have to come back to myself um, to replenish myself after being out. But what I used to do was I'd go to a restaurant, I'd sit at the bar, I wouldn't let myself take my phone out. I would literally like zip it in my purse, like sit on it. I'm not taking it out to scroll. And I told myself, I have to speak to one person. It didn't matter if I spoke to a bartender or just whoever was sitting next to me. I had to initiate a conversation with someone new. Um, And that Did so many things for me. I ended up meeting my husband on Tinder, but (laughs) I met a lot of great people just from having great conversations. I still remember some of the conversations of people who I wasn't even romantically interested in, but it helped me build the confidence of speaking to people. You can speak to someone at Trader Joe's, you can speak to someone at an event. There's so many ways just to kind of flex that muscle. And meet someone, and it doesn't have to be at a networking event. I remember I made a connection with someone for a job when I was at jury duty, sitting next to someone. It's just about having these conversations. Um, And don't worry about the right thing to say. One of the best ways to build a relationship is to just ask great questions. You don't necessarily have to worry about sharing a lot about yourself but continuously ask that person questions. People love to talk about themselves. They love it. So, oh my gosh, how did you find this event? Is this your first time here? Oh, how long did it take you to commute here? I know I came from Jersey and the trains were terrible. Oh my gosh, you live in Harlem? I used to live in Harlem. What's your favorite restaurant? Keep on asking the questions um, and then make sure you get contact information to follow up. Like I'd love to continue the conversation. Mind if we follow each other on LinkedIn? Or I'd love to exchange emails so we can have like a a lunch date later. Don't make it so big. It's just about having that initial conversation and discovering how you can continue to stay in touch or learn more about that person. Kimberly, you are amazing. The fact that you were
1: like, okay, let's do this. I'm going to sit at the bar. It's like, um, that stuff is really hard, yo. And you like, especially as an introvert. So, I mean, that is incredible um, that you kind of face those fears, you push through it, and then you actually saw the fruit of it. So, you know, getting personal maybe for a second, if you're comfortable. Um, I would love to hear, you know, so I, you know, you just shared a little bit about
0: would you like me to read your letter? Click on the description of this video to submit your question.
1: Kind of how you sort of pushed through some of that introvertedness to say, "Okay, I'm just going to practice." Um, and you know, I often tell people, you know, people often have these negative automatic thoughts, right? When they're kind of like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to the bar, and then I'm going to do this, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to blah 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 blah," and so oftentimes it's about talking to yourself, right. And saying like, okay, yes, maybe I'll be a freak weirdo, but you know Mm -hmm. what? I never have to go to that restaurant ever again. And it'll be a funny story and you know, whatever it is. Um, and so even for, you know, you, you built this amazing career helping other people. Um, and you know, it's pretty unconventional. As you said, you know, dad is a baby boomer. They kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, got one trajectory, went for it, but you kind of built this whole thing for yourself. Um, And so as a woman, as a woman of color, and, you know, how was that for you just in terms of, did you experience any anxiety? Was there fear? You know, how did that, how did you get to where you are today, um, given all of that?
2: So first of all, hell yes, (laughs) just all the time especially when I'm making a big decision, I can get myself, I think you call it like the non-productive thinking. I 100% feel like that. My husband's like, all right, all right, bring it down, bring it down. People have told me before, I do a lot of public speaking, that people don't like to be next to me before I speak because they feel like my anxiety is so strong that they can feel it. So a lot of folks don't like to be with me. So please know, yes, I'm giving this advice, but I also have to take my own advice. Um, so for me, it's practice. I will drill myself to make sure that I am prepared for some of the situations that I go in. I used to prepare questions ahead of time. Um, I know what some of my key responses are when I'm speaking, even with you. I know kind of my go-to lanes of how I tell stories. Um And then just also being, okay, I've learned to embrace my quirks. That was probably the biggest piece of advice that someone gave me years ago is don't try and be someone else. Um, So many times we can see, I think even Oprah Winfrey, when I was listening to that, um, the podcast, I think it's Making Oprah. um, And she talked about how she wanted to be Barbara Walters. Like, and she used to ask questions like Barbara Walters. She used to sit like Barbara Walters, try and dress like Barbara Walters. And the moment she embraced herself, um, there was a moment where she was in an interview and she was talking about Canada and she called it Canada, I think. And she busted out laughing on screen and couldn't stop. Um, and then like the emails flowed in about how she was so relatable. Oh my gosh, we love that new anchor, all these things when she was actually herself and cracked up instead of beating herself down. So I use that story and I've had similar flubs myself. I just try to remind myself that in, I'm more afraid of inaction and not achieving my goals because I didn't let myself do it. That makes me scared to be in the same place I was last year at the same time. That makes me scared, especially when I know some things are in my control. Um, So I try to find places where I can kind of test things out and then I'll go for the big stuff. But that inaction really scares me. Like I know I have great goals for myself um, and I really try to take my own advice and putting one foot in front of the other. But please know. I am very anxious. I woke up this morning with anxiety. My book launches this week. I have so many things on my calendar. (laughs) Thank you. So many things on my calendar. So many great things are happening and it overwhelms me and that manifests as anxiety. So as much as I talk about it, I definitely have it myself, but that action, taking the action really helps me.
1: That's awesome, Kimberly. Thank you for sharing. I know people are going to feel so much better Um, and, you know, just Final wrap-ups, is there anything that, you know, someone listening who's dealing with anxiety in terms of in their career, wanting to do a career change, um, is there anything that you would, um, that you would share that, you know, we haven't maybe talked about? Any final words?
2: So number one, I do think for a lot of professionals, if you're listening to this, A, I already think that you're a high performer. No one listens to career stuff in their free time. If they are not a high performer or don't want to be, it's not really a topic you listen to for fun. Um, it's because you aspire to be a high performer. Uh, I think number two, remember you have the job you have because they already thought you're good enough. No one gives a job to the second best person. That's not, I'm, I'm a hiring manager. I never hire the second best person. I'd rather open up a search all over again than hire the person who's second best. So you have the job you have because you're already qualified. And just remember that going into places. Every time you get a call back from an interview, that's another affirmation um, that you are doing everything that you need to do. Um, And number two, number maybe number two, number three, um, one of the things that my business coach, James Simpson, has us do, he has this uh, belief deck where he has us make declarations about ourselves. To really reinforce who we are and who we'd like to become. Um, in my book, I have career affirmations. I think a lot of people may think that they're corny, but the same way you mentioned like the j- journaling, that works. Journal, write down your aspirations, write down your goals on a regular basis. Put sticky notes on your mirror. When I have goals, I 100% have sticky notes everywhere. I have them on my mirror. I have them on my computer. Continuously reinforce that you are the person who can achieve the goals that you'd like to achieve.
1: Love the affirmations. Anyone who knows me knows I love those too. Kimberly, that's so, so helpful. Um, Thank you so much for all that you've shared. Um, How can people find you? How can people find you online? Find your book, your amazing book that's coming out. It's so exciting. Um, If people want to connect with you.
2: Yes. So you can find me on all social media channels as Kim B. Cummings. And if you go to Kimberlybecomings.com, you can find all of the links to everything I'm doing. And the book, Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love is wherever books are sold. So please pick up a copy and let me know what you think.
1: Yes. Everybody go grab a copy. It's going to be so helpful. Kimberly, you are awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I know this is going to be helpful for so many who are listening. Um, Thank you.
2: You're very welcome.